You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome in, Bears fans, to another episode of Bear Bones. I am Mason West, and as always, I am joined by Kyrie Thompson. Kyrie, how are you doing? Doing wonderfully, my friend. How are you? Yeah, not too shabby. I'm actually tired today. I don't know why. It's one of those days. And we have a long-ish show ahead of us with a lot of information to get through. Well, let's get to it then. Let's not waste no time. Let's go. First things first. Bears are on their way to Canton. You know, this is pretty exciting. Devin Hester, Julius Peppers, and of course, Steve Mongo McMichael are all going to be enshrined in the Hall of Fame. And you know what? I think obviously in in the short term, you're happiest for Mongo. Um, You know, this is something that I think, you know, maybe some of us didn't know that he was going to get a chance to see. And, you know, obviously... um, you know what we'll see if he actually, you know, if, if he can, you know, be there for the ceremony. Um, obviously, you know, when is you know health has been struggling, you know, but uh, uh, or at least have somebody that that's there and you know have him be there to you know to see it. But the fact that he knows that he's going in, I mean, you gotta love it. You you have to love that for him. Um, Julius Peppers, look, I mean, one of the greatest freakazoids that has ever played football. I mean. I remember seeing uh, some like training camp footage from like back in, you know, 2010 and he's chasing Devin Hester up the sideline. And I'm just like, no, 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 no. This is not, this is not real. This is not possible. You can't, you can't do that. Okay. You're six, seven, like 290 pounds. You're not allowed to do that. Um, And then one of my favorite players of all time. I mean, I would say my, my top three, players of all time in no particular order. Sometimes it rotates, you know, depending on how I'm feeling, but there's some combination of Ed Reed, Marshawn Lynch, and Devin Hester. And I can't tell you how much Devin Hester impacted the way I played football growing up. Um, And just one of my enduring memories is twice that this happened. 
where um, my dad and I are watching a Bears game and we were stomping, just jumping up and down and shaking the house because Devin Hester took one back to the house. Like, I mean, that that's it's special stuff, man. And, um, you know, I don't care about the specialist thing. He was the greatest to do what he did. And I mean, he impacted the game like few other specialists ever have. Now I was telling somebody about this on another podcast. I did, back back in the day, man. Like in in those days, where the where the Bears were good and they were going to the playoffs and, and making Super Bowls, and, and Devin Hester was there. Um, I didn't care what the offense did, aside from like handing the ball out to Thomas Jones because I like Thomas Jones. Uh, I didn't care about them throwing the football. None of that. I didn't want I didn't want to see the offense on the field. I wanted to see the defense on the field. But there was a catch. I didn't want to see the defense allow the opposing offense inside the 40 because if they did that then that meant that Devin Hester probably wasn't going to get a chance to return a punt like I would get like I would get furious like at the at, at the fact that like what do you mean you didn't stop them at the at the like the 30 okay we need room for this punt return <laughs> exactly <clears throat> the the impact of these three players really can't be understated right Julius Peppers on the Bears from 2010 to 2013 three-time pro bowler with the Bears from 10 to 12 First team all pro in 2010, fourth and defensive player of the year voting that year. He had 37 and a half sacks, which are 15th in franchise history in just four seasons. You know, you go on to uh, Steve McMichael from 81 to 93, obviously part of the 85 Bears. And like you said, unfortunately, is afflicted with ALS. Hopefully he can actually make it to uh, the ceremony. But, you know, two-time Pro Bowler, two-time first team AP all pro. He had 95 sacks, which were the most ever for a defensive tackle when he retired. And then for me, just like you said, Devin Hester, just special, you know, just because I grew up with Devin Hester, you know, 2006, 2013, three-time Pro Bowler, three-time AP first-team All-Pro, set or tied a Bears or NFL record each of his, on each of his NFL record, 20 career touchdowns. You know, like you said, I mean, like I remember being in shop class and making a, a belt with with him doing the, the Superman on it. I remember every time that I scored in football in high school that I was, you know, trying to em- emulate what he did and celebrate the way he celebrated. It was must watch TV and a weird time to be a Bears fan, because as you said, you almost hoped the de- to see the defense out there so that you could hope to see what Devin Hester would do because the offense was replaceable. Who really cared what Rex Grossman was doing out there? It, it was it was gross. And of course, you know, iconic calls, Devin Hester, you are ridiculous. And personally for me, one of the highlights of my media, I put media in air quotes because I barely do this, uh, career was when I got to interview Devin Hester a couple years ago as a part of Chicago Audible. That was awesome to be able to talk to one of my idols. And I'm so thrilled that he gets to be enshrined because like you said, I mean, his impact was huge. He changed the return game and they now you're not going to see anything else like it because they've just, you know, neutered the return game. Basically, they're just like never kick the ball down the middle of the field ever again, ever uh, in the punt return game and then kickoffs. Yeah, we can't just have people taking it back all the time. So uh, touchbacks, that, that's the way of the game. But I mean, real, real quick, let me ask you a question. Favorite mm-hmm. Devin Hester return Aside from the Super Bowl, let's take the Super Bowl out of it. Oh, man. Probably in the Arizona Cardinals game. Just 
just because like, I mean, there was a couple within there, so it's hard to pick which one, but I'm going to pick that game because I mean, that game was defense and Devin Hester and that, that was, and then of course you get to the iconic, we left them off the hook and you wouldn't have that without it. (laughs) That was one of the jumping up and down, break the house moments. What about you? What was your favorite? That in the Super Bowl. Honestly, I feel like I set myself up now because I, I, I got, I, I have so many, but the, here's what I'm going to say. I, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to double up on this one. So from a pure, oh my God, are you serious? Like just level of technical difficulty. I'm going to go with the Minnesota Vikings punt return from 2007. So it was the game where, where AP went off and, and and just like slayed the Bears. He had like 200 whatever yards and three touchdowns. And the one where Devin Esther caught the pass from Brian Greasy later <laughs> in the game and all that stuff. But the punt return touchdown he had earlier in the game where it was – there were like five dudes who had a shot at him. And he's – and, and, and I mean, Jeff Joniak's call just slices two. Now three Vikings. He just, he, he just slid through three. Like, there's no way. There's no way he should have been able to do that. No. No no one else is doing that ever. I just I don't understand. And, and so he's just chilling, jukes through three guys, and then while juking, like double jumps over one of with the tackle attempts. Just defying oh, oh, physics. Okay. Defying. All right. Sure. Cool. And that, you know, then there's nothing. And I mean nothing but Kentucky, bluegrass in front of him. I mean, come on, man. Like, that that, that was just wild how casual he made that look when I'm pretty sure no one else in NFL history would have done that. Not a soul. I, I, I don't – still to this day, like, I'll watch it and I'll just be like, come on. But I think that in terms of just, like, holy aside, – aside from the Cardinals one that you talked about um, – and then the Super Bowl. The other one that had me lose my mind was when he broke the drought against the Packers in, in 2010. He hadn't mm. taken one back in like two and a half seasons or, or two seasons or whatever, two and a half seasons. And he does it against the Packers. And I was watching that game in college with a bunch of my housemates. And when I saw him break free, I knew it was over. Right. And so. It didn't matter. The punter was there. He was going to juke him. It didn't matter. And so I get up and I run around the room and I just stayed in the room just long enough to see him juke the guy and then do the little Chicago Bears Lambo. And I just I sprinted around like the lower floor of like the house that I lived in, because I I mean, that was that was just I knew it was coming. It had to happen at some point. And there it was. I mean, thank you, Devin Hester. I appreciate you, man. Um, Good times. Yeah. And the. uh the negativity that is Bears football history in the time that we grew up watching the sport. It was nice to have Devin Hester be a bright spot for us to be able to cheer and get that excited about. Now give um, us Peanut Tillman, man. Peanut deserves. I mean, he has a he has a punch named after him. That's that's what everyone calls it. And and it's it's funny because I was I was listening to six seventy earlier, and the fact that you know there there are people there are kids in the game now that are hearing the term peanut punch on broadcast and they're and they're just like oh yeah peanut punch and and i I'm, i found myself imagining that like i if i have a son one day or you know if, if my daughter maya gets really into football that one day she's going to be like what's the peanut punch and i would be like oh, oh, oh let me tell you because i've watched it every sunday for years 
you know, and I'm going to be one of them old whippersnap, you know, one of those old dudes talking about, like, let me tell you, back in my day, you ever heard of Charles Peanut Tillman? And I'm going to sit up there and talk about how, like, he wasn't a great tackler, but, man, if somebody was holding somebody up, he's just coming in there, bah, bah, you know, with with just, like, unerring accuracy. That dude was insane. So, yeah, hopefully, hopefully he is next on the docket, and hopefully we are moving into a generation where we can get more Bears to the Hall of Fame. So before we get into the mock draft, which I know that's what everyone's here for, there is something I wanted to talk about, wanted to highlight. Um, EJ Snyder has some new stats, QBS and QBDD. I think these are important because they talk about something that a lot of us want to discuss, but it's been hard to objectify. Um, I'm going to throw a link in the chat here so you can see the original post if you so choose um, regarding this, uh, because this is going to be hard to see without some visuals. So if you're listening to the podcast, maybe come back to the video or go check it out. But basically, EJ Snyder at Football EJ and Arjun Menon uh, at Arjun Menon 100. Uh, PFF came up with a way of how much support a QB does or does not get from their supporting staff, which they call QBS, quarterback support. This takes in play calling, players on the roster, defense, special teams. So they're using stats like special teams EPA, defensive EPA, rush EPA, PFF pass block rates, et cetera. And, you know, this comes with then you get quarterback or sorry, QBDD, which is quarterback difficulty differential. This was used to establish quarterback performance metrics to compare the amount of support received and how well the QBs perform on the field. So now if you're watching the podcast live, we're going to throw up a chart here. I'll get rid of that banner so it's easier to see. And what you can see from this chart is, you know, this plots out the QBS, offensive composite score for each QB on one axis, and use their EPA per play data on the other. So you get a quadrant graph that starts to show us their efficiency in relation to the amount of support they receive from their offense. So, like, top left, you have efficient QBs with little help, CJ Stroud. Top right, efficient QBs with lots of help, Brock Purdy, Tua Tungo Bailoa. Bottom left, not efficient QBs, not a lot of help. Bryce Young, Sam Howell, and then bottom right, you have not efficient QBs with not a lot, with a lot of help from the offense, excuse me, such as Desmond Ritter. Where was Justin? Bottom left. So he was not an efficient QB with not a lot of help. So if you're, depending on what seat you're sitting in, the pro Justin seat, the maybe the pro rookie seat, you're kind of both right because Justin did not have a lot of help, but he also wasn't very efficient. What are your thoughts on this so far, Kyrie? Um, and and I think that uh, to kind of almost skip ahead a, a little bit um, to the, the the tailed graph that he did. Um, do you, do you have that one? I do gonna, have that. Okay, well then I'm not going to talk about it right now. We'll go ahead and do that one when when it comes. But it, it doesn't surprise me um, because I I think that you know, it's not as bad as it could be. He's not obviously Zach Wilson or Kenny Pickett or Bryce Young where they're, they're like bad, bad. Um, you know, Justin Fields is closer to average in both aspects. And I think it's, it's important to look at that, right? So he's in the bottom left, but the, the offensive composite scores closer to average mm-hmm. uh, by and large. I think when it comes to fields, I think and, and it's important to take into account all of the context with it. Um, he had some bad games. And I think this was kind of the case last year as well. He had like those first three games were, were they were bad. They were not good. And whatever blame you want to assign to him for those specific games, you know, whatever, but they were not good. 
And they heavily weighted down the average, as did the Minnesota Vikings game. And then the Cleveland Browns game is kind of like a, he got let down in that one, but he also wasn't great. Then the rest of it was average to good. Um, and, and so I think what you're seeing by and large is the, the bad games really weigh down the average, whereas when you kind of mitigate that a little bit, it was probably closer to okay, fine. Um, but again, it's all part, it's all part of it, right? So you have to take the bad with the good. So, you know, yeah, I think it's fair to look at what Justin Fields did this year and say he had closer to, it's still below average, was closer to average certainly than it was last year, where I think that you would find Fields, I would be very curious if they go back and like retrofit these stats, because you would obviously find Fields in 2022 to be like, Way to the left, yeah, yeah, but probably closer to efficient QB, not a lot of offensive help. Um, but the way I would yeah, like look it, at it, it too is checks out to me. Look at the cluster, right? In this picture, again, if you're watching the podcast, the cluster he's living in, while you're absolutely right, it's pretty close to that 50 50 in terms of his efficiency combined mm. with you know the help he's getting. He's surrounded by guys like you know Russell Wilson, Will Levis, Desmond Ritter, Joshua Dobbs. Derek Carr, Gardner Minshew are kind of on the periphery of that. Yeah, that's not Is the that world really you want to be, you be around. Yeah, you don't, that's not the world you want to live in. It's it's just as simple as that. So, like again, like I'm saying this to somebody that's like, we. It, I mean, I I'm not going to act like I've watched every single game of all these other guys. So I'm yeah. talking about the context in a way that's like, okay, we've seen a bunch of the Bears games, and so it's like, is it all him? No, it's not. But this is not the world you want to be living in at quarterback. Simple as that. And as Kyrie mentioned, there was another chart um, pulling that up now. Um, this one, the final step was comparing the difference between supported QB received, that QBS, and the efficiency they generated EPA per play. This difference is their QBDD, as I mentioned earlier, that quarterback difficulty differential. So in this uh, chart, this comment tail plot shows that QBS marks by the QB pictures and their EPA per play mark, which is the sharp points. Basically, how you can read this, if there's a long tail pointed to the right, they outperformed their support. If it's a short tail either direction or no tail, they performed fairly equal to their support. And a long tail pointed left, they underperformed relative to their support. So now there's a couple outliers I do want to highlight here, which is interesting. Because if you look, according to this, Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson are underperformed relative to their support. Now, the reason for that is because their defenses were so good. <laughs> And and that, I and I think that when you look at the Bears, you could probably make a very similar argument: is that the Bears' defense performed so well, well with all the turnovers and, and interceptions, that is probably also in that realm. Yeah, exactly. So they would have basically would have had to play perfect in order to even out with some of that support that they had. Um, again, for the sake of our podcast, you do want to take a look at Justin. You know he, that QBS right below that fifty percentile mark. So not in the top half of the league in terms of yeah. how you know he's able to perform relative to that his tail is ind indicative of underperforming compared to uh the support he was given but at the same time like you were talking about Kyrie, i mean like that defense really did help out the second half of the year you can you know heartbreaker on this chart you can see that jordan love is the exact opposite with a gigantic tail pointing yes. to the right of how much he overperforms yes. compared to his support same thing with like a uh Baker Mayfield falls in that category as well. 
Yeah. And I think, you know, look, the, the reality is what it is, right? The, the bear, I, I think, I don't think you're going to look at the bears offense and say it was extremely amazing or, or, or talented. I mean, I, I think that people are like, well, they got DJ Moore. Like that's enough. It's like, they got DJ Moore and Cole Komet. So it's like, all right, that's better, but it's not like it's an elite cast. But there are things that we're going to get into, I'm sure, where it's like, okay, eventually you want a guy that is going to be able to elevate the entire team and not just like he needs to have a stacked everything. And, yeah. and, 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 that's, and that's totally fair. And, and again, I think the reason you're seeing this tale is not necessarily that Fields was absolutely horrible. I actually saw a chart earlier that we're probably not going to get to, but um, in terms of EPA per play – that Fields was, and I, I want to want to go back and look at this actually, um, but he was almost dead center with EPA per play when pressured versus not pressured. So you, what you're looking at is when you take it all into account, probably like a relatively average quarterback. But again, a relatively average quarterback with a defense that played as well as it did. And again, some of that, you got adjusted for competition, what have you, the guys, mm -hmm. the quarterbacks they played against, but you would hope that you would have better than a seven and 10 record. And again, th this is all, there's all kinds of context that we can talk about, but just in the big picture, you would think that that defense, which was horrible for, you know, what, four weeks, you got to acknowledge that. Um, but that by and large, you would, you would hope that your quarterback with the defense playing that well wins more games than they did. So this is all going to be part of understanding where they are, why they are, where they are. And obviously, you and I, Kyrie, we've been huge, huge backers of Justin for the entirety of, of his career. Um, and we, we will continue to do so, whether he's a bear or not. And, you know, when you really think about it, if, the Bears had, you know, if the, if the Panthers didn't suck so much and the, the Bears held the third overall pick, I mean, you're probably just without much question rolling with Justin going forward. It's Maybe. That... It, it, it would be more, it would be definitely more of a, eh, we'll see who's left and if we really, really like them. But Right. I mean, I, I know personally for me, I mean, well, I'm sure at some point I'll mock him to the Bears just because it is what it is. I'm not a huge Jaden Daniels guy, just in terms of, for a variety of reasons. So if they're sitting there at number three, I don't need Jaden Daniels, nor do I think I need to dip my toe into the JJ McCarthy pool. That's just where I sit. Um, obviously, a lot of people differ on that, but it would at least be more of like you're saying a conversation versus as of right now, the fact that you're sitting at number one, that's why so many individuals have shifted to, you know what, we are ready to move on from Justin. Yeah. And, you know, I think that, We'll, 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 we'll talk, we'll talk more about it. I'm not going to spoil it right now. I'm not going to spoil it. Um, so EJ, EJ Snyder, one of the individuals who made this uh, stat along. I spent uh, all last week with him, man. That's so cool. I haven't hung out with EJ yet. I want to. No, EJ, um, EJ. Okay. Look, EJ, I hope you're watching this podcast. Um, EJ is the man, the dude. And I also would recommend because this is, this is part of, um, you know, what, what got me to go to the Shrine Bowl this year is that 
EJ, Brett Coleman. This is this is like part of what they do, man. They go down there and they kind of like hold court. Like they know all the people to to talk to, to get access. And, and really the Shrine Bowl, it's a great experience, man. It's a wonderful experience. The access you get to the players is unparalleled. I mean, you can be on the sidelines and base, damn near on the field, honestly. Um, I, I took videos of, of, of drills where do the, the running back drills where they, they would be going through the gauntlet. Like I'm literally right there. You can, you can feel the pads pop on the video, stuff like that. You know what I mean? And I finally figured out how to use cinematic mode on my, on my iPhone. So that definitely helped my quality. Um, but then it's like when, when practice is over, you just, you can walk up to any one of these guys and just be like, Hey, you got a second. Can I get with you for a second? Or you can, you can get them at the media availability. Like they do so much to make these players accessible to you. And the thing that I love too, and I, I think I, I realized this at the time is that these guys down here by and large are not going to be first round picks. They're not good. The guys that you think about as like, Oh yeah, this guy's going to be a mega star in the NFL. Um, there is second round picks, a lot of day three picks, maybe some UDFAs, but you go there and you see these dudes out here grinding and working and you see the scouts and the, and you know, the, the media people that are there. It's just a place where if you, if you love football, and you just want to go out there and see guys play ball and work their ass off. And you want to get a feel for, you want to talk to people who do this for a living. Like it's just a great place to be. And I also got a chance to meet people in and around the bears, you know, this is like by, by fortune. Yeah. I think I'm going to have to try to get down there next year. Um, so, Oh, EJ will be hosting a live stream actually today. Uh, Q&A at 6.30, so right after we're wrapping up-ish. Uh, don't My leave man. until we finish, of course. Um, the links I just posted but he uh, down in the chat, but he also posted on his Twitter. I retweeted it, so if you're listening to this on the podcast later, you can always find that information. Um, he's going to have some – there's going to be some visual upgrades based on feedback. So, for example, QB faces will now represent their EPA per play, and team logo will, will represent QBS. We all, they also reverse the comments, so EPA pulls up or down, just to make it a little more user-friendly. Yeah. Yeah, it was a little I, I, confusing. Yeah, yeah, and it, it took me a moment to kind of wrap my head around it, but you know, eventually you you go for it. Good. That's the big thing, right? They unveiled this, and then they took feedback, and they made it better. That's that's the sign of some great statisticians, as they you might put it. I don't think they call themselves statisticians, but I will. Um, but yeah, that's what we got so far. When we come back from this break, mock draft time. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back in Bears fans. It is time for our mock draft 1.0. Yes, that's 1.0 because we have a bunch going forward. I tweeted out earlier the list of individuals who are going to be joining us this offseason having their point of point of view points of view because, you know, as much as I love Danny and Kyrie, sometimes we do think we're kind of similarly um, as you might actually see in this mock that I, we have for you today. Um, and so oh, it's no. great to get another perspective. Yeah. And so Kyrie doesn't no, know what I picked like yet. This. No, I thought, oh, ah, okay. You know what? Never mind. Never mind. Just, <laughs> damn. So it, it'll be fun. I really thought I was going to get it in this time. Damn it. Um, but how do we get here? Right. So the Bears have six picks this year. The Bears trade their second round pick to the Commanders, obviously, in October 31st in exchange for defensive end Montez Sweats. The Bears obtained a fourth round selection from the Eagles by trading down from nine to 10 in the first round of the 2023 draft, where they chose Darnell Wright, passing on Jalen Carter. The Bears traded their sixth round choice to the Dolphins in August in exchange for guard Dan Feeney. Great choice. And then the Bears dealt their seventh round pick to the Patriots July 13th in 2022 in exchange for Nikhil Harry. Again, great choice. But without further ado, we are going to dive into this mock, but first, a warning. The purpose of this mock draft is to help the hosts of Bare Bones better know the prospects of the 2024 NFL Draft. They are sharing this information so you, the follower, don't have to grind tape and scouting reports as you wait patiently for the Chicago Bears to make their selection. This is not meant to be predictive. If your favorite prospect was not selected in this mock draft, check out a previous or future mock as they may be included there. If they are never selected, oh well, get over it. Taking these mocks too seriously will result in headache, nausea, diarrhea of the mouth, cold takes exposed, troll status, tool status, and undying love for a prospect who gets cut before week one. Yeah, that's that, that, that the warning. You can tell I used the visuals from last year because your face comes up later. Honestly, that's a solid picture of me, though. So yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll take it. I got no problem with that. So Kyrie, first you traded. Ooh. Oh no! It, no no no! You, I, actually, no. I love I like I like this. Keep the suspense. Okay, so Kyrie traded um, out of the first pick with the Commanders, as a lot of Bears fans are freaking out about. Uh, he recouped the second pick, the second rounder from the Commanders, pick 40, and a future first. Uh, talk through your thoughts here. So when, I, when I've when i seen people talk about multiple first round picks, I've talked a bunch with people about this, and maybe I'm tripping. But typically when people talk about wanting multiple first round picks for you know to, to move up like a spot or two or whatever – they usually just mean the, okay, your 2024 and 2025 picks. They don't mean, oh, yeah, we got to have 2024, 2025, and 2026. So that that's my thought process here. It's like, hey, give me give us your first round pick of next year. If, if they really wanted the next two first round picks to move up, like the like one spot, that's insane. You know what I mean? And I don't think that's typically how that works. So I think it's basically just raiding their pantry for their, their best potential picks. And I think if the bears were to make this trade, 
I think the first round pick, it, it's either got to be one of two things. You either got to take their first two picks of this draft and then maybe you get a second next year or whatever, or you get the first rounder next year and you take a lesser pick in this draft and, and we'll see how that goes. But I, I would, we'll, we'll, we'll see, but it's gotta be one of those two things. And then I figured like, okay, because if we're, if we're going to be nice about it, you know, because look, I'm a benevolent God. Um, I'll, I'll give you your, your round two pick next year, but as long as you give me your first. So, so, the, so there's, there's that. So give me your first rounder. I need it. Um, and, and here's, here's my thought process. Here's part of the preamble here. Okay. So Caleb Williams, I want to, I want to preface all this by saying that I believe that Caleb Williams is going to be the pick for the Chicago bears at number one overall, that that's what it's going to be. And that I think that that is the prudent, smart thing to do all things equal, all things being equal. Okay. I do believe that. So if you're tripping about this and being like, that'll never happen. No chance. This is from the same franchise that kept Matt Eberflus when they had a chance to dump him. So stop telling me no chance about anything. I don't want to hear it. Um, so I, I think that while all of that is true, and I think Caleb Williams is, is a better just natural passer um, than anybody in this draft. I don't, I, I gotta be honest. Like people are talking about Drake may being up there with it. I, I don't, I don't feel it. I don't see it. Um, Drake may is very good, but I think his best plays and his best throws and all that is like Caleb Williams, second tier of best throws in his toolbox. That's me personally. That's how I feel. What I, I think though, is that while you can be blown away by, by, uh, Caleb Williams talent. And I think that's what basically everybody, all anybody's really factoring in here. There's a chance that he gets into the interview room, and while it's not bad, I don't. I haven't heard anything about Caleb Williams that's bad necessarily. Like nothing anybody said to me on the record that's bad. Like I don't think he's a terrible person, or he's like hiding some DUIs or something like that. I don't. I don't see that. Um, but there's a chance that Caleb Williams doesn't blow the Bears away in the interview room. And I mean, like, blows them away to the sense of, oh, my God, I need this guy. I need the the, the man, Caleb Williams, on my team. Um, the football player, I mean, yeah. I mean, come on. Like, you, I can watch – you can watch this guy for, for, for two minutes and be like, oh, this guy's awesome, right? But, I mean, some of the things I heard around the Shrine Bowl and I've heard from other people is kind of like, again, he's it's not like he's a bad person – or, or whatever, but it's like the stuff you hear doesn't necessarily make you think like, oh yeah, he's totally going to come in and, and like lead this team and like lead the locker room and be somebody that everybody gravitates toward. And that might be completely unfair. I want to preface that. That might be completely unfair. I don't know Caleb Williams, right? I haven't talked to him. That, that This might all be just whatever. I guess I'm just saying that there are people down there at the Shrine Bowl that put microphones in front of the, you know, the USC players faces. And we're like, Hey, what's about Caleb? Williams? you know, what's up about Caleb Williams? Is he great? And on camera, they said, yeah, you know, cool. He should be the number one pick. Good guy. But I heard from people who talk to guys in private who are like, Ugh. so that kind of stuff makes you think that there's a possibility that maybe the bears 
don't fall in love with him in that fashion. Then again, it might not matter. It might not matter. They might just be like, okay, he's fine. He's awesome on the field. He's fine and and or good in the other asset. Even if he doesn't blow us away, let's go ahead and, and he'll fit in. So I'm just gonna I'm just saying that. Okay, I'm I'm putting all that context in here. That said, I feel like there's a possibility. Sorry, I will uh go ahead, go ahead, and then I'll continue my preamble. No, I was just gonna say because I just wanted to highlight. I also traded down <laughs> and I, I'm just going to say pretty much the same thing. Kyrie. Patriots. And I went to the Patriots. I went, cause I didn't get an offer from the commanders. Uh, that's the thing too, with these mocks, I'm only taking what I'm given. I'm not going to keep running simulators. Same, to have same. Yeah, exactly. That's what I did. Like I didn't force the trade. Like I just, yeah. So I, I got um, their third, I got their second uh, from the Patriots. Excuse oh, me. Damn. I got their future first and future Ugh. second in 2025. Um, I went with the thought process of kind of what no, you're okay, okay. I just I just want to say it, there's no way the Patriots would do this in real no. life. I just want to say, no. but my God, if they if they actually did that, that's really hard to pass up. Like you just you stole. Holy crap. And, and the reason I felt okay-ish doing this <laughs> as of because again, I was thinking commanders, they weren't available to me. Because you're hearing, you know, individuals talk about if the commanders were gonna move up it's going to be for a bounty. You're here, these like multiple first round picks, this, then the other. So it was more just like, okay, here, this is the scenario we're creating. And the last thing I'll say on it is same thing that Kyrie said, the reason this might happen, the only reason this is happening exactly. is if they go in the room and they're just like, there's something off enough where we just don't love Caleb, the guy. And then you, and that's the only reason. And again, because the only reason we're even talking about that is, they kept Matt Eberflus. They kept Matt Eberflus because of culture, and we think he's the right man for the job. The right man for the job. And all of us are looking at it like, what are you talking about? Like th- this dude is is like he's not it. But the 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 personality, the culture, what he demands from the locker room, blah blah blah, like all that. That's why they kept him. Not because he was a good defensive coordinator or, or whatever, right? He's fine in that role, and he and, and the Bears did better once he took over play calling. But that's not why they kept him. They could find somebody else to be a decent defensive coordinator for a 4-3 style defense. They kept him because they thought he was the right man for the job. And so I think that there is – this stuff matters to them. And, and Ryan Poles said it in the presser. Okay, he said the personal stuff matters. And again, I'm not saying that Caleb Williams or Drake May might not be interviewed well, but I think it's a matter of do they blow you away? And the things I've heard about both guys is kind of like, I don't know that they're going to go in and blow you away. And I think that's something you got to consider. Their talent might blow you away. But I think that in terms of like the, the the respect that Justin Fields commands, if you're comparing it to that, right? You can look at the passing and be like, yeah, those guys are better than Justin Fields. And in a in just like a vacuum, like you got to do it. You got to do it. But if you're thinking to yourself, like, I just believe in Justin Fields more than I believe in these guys at the NFL level. And Fields has been through it. He has persevered. He's had bad games where he screwed up and fumbled twice and then gone and let a game winning drive, things like that. 
You can, you can point to those as tangible examples of things he's done in the league. I'm not saying that means that they're going to keep him. I'm not saying that. But I'm just saying, like, you got to consider that there's a possibility that they could look at these new guys and be like, I need to be blown away on the whole, completely. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, this is – and we – the way, the way we're, we're doing this, you know, you can only pick a player once. And so, you know, at some point, one of us will pick Caleb. At some point, we'll pick May. At some point, we'll pick so-and-so-and-so-and-so. But, you know, we wanted to just demonstrate, A, to get as many prospects out there for you, the listener, to know who's available. But then also just creating multiple scenarios that could potentially happen. And while it's more likely that they select a quarterback at this point in time with that number one overall pick, this is something that could play out. And it just so happens... That Kyrie and, we, and I decided we, we did the same shit didn't to we? make picks. His was at number two, mine was at number three. God, we did the same thing, didn't we? Oh my and we God. both <laughs> took Marvin Harrison oh Jr., wow. wide receiver out of Ohio State. Um, I feel like four. I'm gonna. I feel like I'm gonna have more to explain for mine. That's fine. Than you, <laughs> six foot four, two hundred to five pounds. Uh, he had 67 receptions for 1,200 yards and 14 receiving touchdowns. I mean, his dad, right, was an NFL Hall of Famer. Uh, he could arguably be the best player in this draft, depending on how you stack him. Definitely the best wide receiver in the last five years. Super productive, who was the best wide receiver in the nation in 2022, despite receiving pretty constant press coverage. Played on the outside in 2022, but moved to big slot in 2023. Tons of versatility, acceleration, and speed is awesome. He's always a vertical threat. Footwork and agility is great, which allows him to, to pace and snap off his routes exceptionally well for his size. Explosive as hell, can stop on a dime and adjust to the ball. Rare, and I mean like rare ball skills. His ability to adjust, track the ball, work the sidelines, amazing. The negatives, there's not a ton, but there's enough. He's a little skinny. He can get pressed by some physical corners. Doesn't always play up to that rumored 4-3-8 speed and when he's given a chance to break away. And he hasn't been great at yards after the catch. Can go down a little quickly and holds the ball a little loose. Can uh, be open to that peanut punch as we talked about earlier. Yeah, I, and I think I'm, I'm curious about, especially this last year in terms of yards after catch, is that a Kyle McCord issue? Um, <laughs> um, I, I'm curious. I'm, I'm gonna be curious if there's a difference in the yards after catch he had with CJ Stroud versus um Kyle McCord. I'm gonna have to look into that, but especially like I, I feel like I'm gonna need to make I'm gonna need to explain this because I did him at pick number two and you did him at pick number three where it's more understandable. Mm-hmm. Okay. I view it this way, and I know people are gonna get mad at me for for this, but I just gotta be honest. If you're if you're deciding that you don't want to take Caleb Williams, I don't know what the hell you're talking about with Drake May. Like if you're passing on Caleb Williams, you you want to take Drake May at at number two. I just I personally I'm like I don't see it. And and again, I I think he's going to be good. I think Drake May is probably going to be good. Goes to a good situation. And what have you. And, you know, maybe selfishly, I would kind of like to see him on the New England Patriots just to, like, see how he does. So maybe so maybe there's a little bias there, okay? Because I'm out here in Boston, okay? Go cry me a river. But I, I think that if you're, if you're doing that, you better believe Drake May is the best player in the draft. And I find myself just thinking this. We, we have become so quarterback-centric in this conversation. Yeah. 
that it's like, okay, last year when we were talking about Jalen Carter being a top three or four pick or, or whatever, that's a defensive tackle. And you're like, okay, that's awesome, but he's a defensive tackle. This is a wide receiver. And we know how important wide receivers are. Wide, wide receivers, at least PFF had some stats on this in terms of value um, in, in college and in the NFL. Wide receivers are more valuable than, than offensive tackles. Not as valuable as quarterbacks because quarterbacks are OP, but more valuable than, than offensive tackles. What if Marvin Harrison Jr. goes to the combine and he measures in at like six three and three quarters or six four and over 200 pounds? And what if he does do the drills? And what if he runs a four three or a low four four? What if he jumps out of the gym? What if he goes in the wide receiver group and runs the routes in the gauntlet drill and he looks like God's gift to mankind? And what if he goes into the interview and and, and I've shared this stuff with you. What if he goes into the interview room and says the kind of stuff that he said in the past where he's like, look, man, like in the end, all I want is to like be remembered for the kind of person I was and the kind of teammate I was. Eberflus and, and Poles would eat that. Oh my God. They will just be like, <sighs> foaming at the mouth. There, if he does all that, don't tell me that there's no chance that the Bears leave the combine and think that's our top player on the board. Yeah. And if he's your top player on the board and you've got the number one overall pick and you know that the Washington commanders are like, oh my God, I've got to get Caleb Williams. Like he's a hometown kid. Cliff Kingsbury's here and Cliff Kingsbury is literally hunting this dude across the world because he won't coach any quarterback. That's not one of the most talented quarterbacks he's ever seen because who knows what his offense would look like without it. Um, if, if they know that the commanders are beaten down the door and the, the the Falcons might be beaten down the door and everybody else is beaten down the door trying to get Caleb Williams. But Marvin Harrison Jr. is at least equal to Caleb Williams, if not above when you consider all things. And you consider the fact that, yeah, we've been talking about Caleb Williams for the last two years. I mean, honestly, three years. Because, I mean, even as a rookie or even as a, as a freshman in Oklahoma, he was still doing some amazing stuff. But we've been talking about Marvin Harrison for the last two years as one of the best players in college football, too. Mm -hmm. Right up there. I, I, to me, it's like there's going to be a chance that yeah. Marvin Harrison is going to go into the combine, have a mutant-ass combine, and the Bears are going to be like, I'm sorry, I, I got to get this guy. I've got to. And Justin Fields has done enough and has shown in his football lifetime that when you give him a lot of elite weapons that he can that he can kick ass that maybe if we get him this elite weapon i know there are going to be skeptics that that's fine that's fine they're skeptics to this look at darnell mooney he didn't target darnell mooney look darnell mooney is darnell mooney yeah. he's not marvin harrison jr okay when justin fields had chris olave and Jackson Smith and Jigba and Garrett Wilson, like the dude was, was all world. And I get it. It's a different level. It's not college. It's the NFL. But I think that you can look at these things and see like when Justin Fields trusts a guy, he'll throw it with anticipation. He will do all the things that you want, but he's got to have the trust. 
I feel like Justin Fields could trust the hell out of Marvin Harrison Jr. I feel like if you get Marvin Harrison Jr. and DJ Moore and Justin Fields all in the same place, they're going to be the Spider-Man meme pointing at each other. They're going to be like, we all we all see each other in, in just a fundamental way. And I just feel like it, I feel like it would work. And again, this is this is not the most likely outcome. I'm not trying to sit up here and tell you that it is. Yeah, Adam Jenkins in the chat. You're missing the entire point of this 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 process right now. Tune in for another episode, and we'll talk about the quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, look, I'm I'm okay if if, if you don't like it, you know what what have you. But but the other part of this is that that again, I just you know you don't take a wide receiver over a QB. Look, the Bears have shown to me that they don't care. They, they want they want their guy, they want their best player on the board. They passed up Jalen Carter, the guy that everybody said they should take last year. Okay. They 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 passed up the wide receivers that everybody said they should take in the first year with polls and they took freaking Kyler Gordon and Jaquan Brisker because they fit the culture. I'm not saying they're going to do that this time. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that you, you can't discount that it would happen. Okay. Bean. Bam. Boom. All right. Moving on. Next pick. Yeah. So pick nine, neither of us traded back at this point in time. We did not pick the same person. Oh and we picked God. the same person again. <laughs> we did this entirely separately. And we just happened to pick the exact same people at our picks. Pick, pick two and three earlier. Now a pick nine. Dallas Turner, Edge out doing? of Alabama. What, what, what are we doing here? I'm, you, you go ahead and break this one down. I talked enough. So Dallas Turner, um, you got this cluster uh, of – of edges that you could potentially take here. Obviously in this scenario, you already, your convert, the conversations are is wide receiver edge, you trade back, et cetera. We already have Marvin Harrison jr. So here you got to get someone opposite of Montez sweat um, height, six foot four, 252 pounds, 14 and a half tackles for loss, 10 sacks, one pass embedded and two forced fumbles. Dallas Turner might be the best pure athlete in this year's edge class. His athleticism stands out as a pass rusher, really solid frame with room for growth, can add some thickness on there, impressive finesse moves that win at the NFL level. I mean, his dip, rip, and ghost rush are just beautiful. Just go ahead and watch some tape if you haven't. Good bend and ability to turn a tight corner, displays adept change of direction skills, adeptly navigating through blockers with a green light to pursue, can also bull rush when needed using good hand placement and leg drive, and he can get to the QB pretty quick once he hits his move. He applied pressure on 19.8% of his pass rush snaps last year, which was the fifth <laughs> highest this season. Turner finished with, like I said, with 10 sacks. He needs to polish his hand usage a little bit during finesse moves. He might miss his initial chop, and after that, it can get a little funky. They can definitely add more strength, too, as he struggles to consistently knock down offensive linemen's arms off of him. His lateral movement is smooth, but it lacks a little bit of disruptive force that you know we've seen some other elite edge rushers of similar size in the league have. And he needs to show more violence when shedding blocks in the run game and can still grow into that body, become physically controlling the line of scrimmage. But you can't really deny that his speed and quickness. He's one of those. I, I feel like he, he could well be one of those RAS guys. Yeah. That 
they're going to look at and be like, oh, God, we can work with this. It might not be the best, and maybe we'll have him sort of take the pressure off him by signing a veteran edge. But if this dude is going to run the way he runs and he's going to be – he's going to test the way that we think and have the raw – I mean, I'm watching him just Eurostep guys right now. <laughs> <laughs> just like, really, just like – it's like sometimes they don't even touch him. It's wild. No, and, and uh, there's another guy on my list that I'm that I'm thinking of. Um, I don't know if I also drafted him, but I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see. But I mean, look, when you're talking about athlete, you know, Alabama defensive linemen, there's a common theme. They're usually pretty freaky and generally they end up being fairly impactful. So um, I'm, I feel like the bears, if that's one thing from there, there are a couple of reasons for this. Number one, they need more pass rush. We all know that. Um, they can get it from the interior, edge, what have you. But I feel like I, I would like it to be edge. And the other thing is whether they keep Justin Fields or draft a rookie quarterback, you also want to have cheap assets. I feel like there's something nice and symmetrical about having Montez Sweat, your high-priced edge guy, and then you have a young guy that yep. you can mold on the opposite side of that. It, it doesn't have to be all spending money in free agency. And by the way, this is another thing that in, in terms of financials, yeah, I get that paying somebody like Justin Fields or, or paying a, a quarterback or what have you, there's like this idea that, oh, like your window might be closing. If you draft well, no, it doesn't. Yeah, it's a valid point. Next. So I traded down at this pick. Um, Some of the players I wanted were gone, and there were a couple other ones that were further down that I thought I could get with a trade down. So in this instance, I moved down 14 spots and snagged an extra third and a future fourth rounder when I traded with the Jaguars. So eh, I'm I'm no longer uh, chilling at that pick. So Kyrie was next. Round two, pick 40. This was one of the guys that was gone in my scenario. Zach Frazier from West Virginia. Look, I saw a bunch of really good offensive linemen down there at the Shrine Bowl. And particularly, I think I saw some really good centers. Zach Frazier is better than all of them. And you would be able to step right in and just be able to do this from day one. Now, I think there's still a good chance that maybe you're thinking, Okay, maybe maybe you draft maybe you sign a veteran center and go that route as opposed to drafting a rookie, but I think you're better equipped to draft a rookie center now and have him grow into the role if you've got Nate Davis on one side and Tevin Jenkins on the other side. And then your younger players, you know, like Braxton Jones and Darnell Wright are on the edges. But now you've got some kind of veteran guys who can help you out. You could point out things that you need to see. You can develop into that role. And, and again, I just I just think that he is going to be that nasty physical force, especially just moving downhill. Like, I, I think this is the part that we can't – this is the part that we can't just brush away. Yeah, we want to talk about the passing game. That might That's the way that you have the most upside. But Matt Eberflus – 
as a defensive coach, and it's something that they've wanted to do the last couple of years, they want to run the football, man. Shane Waldron's also going to w- run the football. So I think he would fit in like a glove for what they're going to want to do. Brandon Green asks, is he better than Van Pran? I, I'm going to be completely honest with you. Haven't watched enough of Van Pran. I know people love him. What do you think? I'm going to hold my answer. Okay. Then you know what? That, that gave us some homework. Thanks for thanks for going ahead and giving us that. Because I know like uh, on the PFF mocks, Van Pran it lasts until the third round, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything. I mean, I, I know that I've seen a lot of people get really into Van Pran as an option. Um, I'm going to go ahead and watch them and get back to you. Join us for the next time. I will say, I think from what I've seen right now, Frazier has a little more athleticism and a little higher ceiling ultimately of what he can be, but I'll get in. I'm going to hold on Van Pran though. My pick when I traded down round two, pick 48. I kept on the offensive side. I took Jatavian Sanders tight end out of Texas, six foot four, 243 pounds. He was a five-star recruit out of high school. Played in 13 games last year and hauled in 39 catches for 607 yards for an average of 5.6 yards per catch, two touchdowns, and a QB rating when targeted of 104.3. As a pass blocker, he gave up four pressures and surrendered a pretty poor three sacks, but that's not why you have him out there. You have him out there because he's a good open field blocker, shows strength against secondary defenders, and you especially have him out there for his receiving. He's a very reliable receiver with an ability to high point the catch Rarely drops passes. Love his deep speed and agility as a route runner. He can rack up yards after catch and shows potential as a screen receiver. Simply can't play a linebacker on him. You can't. He's a matchup nightmare. You know, you're thinking more of your Dalton Kincaid, your mm-hmm. your Travis Kelsey esque. You know, I don't want to even say Travis Kelsey because that's going to be a new. He's a new age. He's, he's a new age tight end. He's a new age tight end. You know, he's strong, accurate hands off the line of scrimmage when pressed, so he can get off the line. He struggled against edge defenders when blocking. That that again, that's his thing, you know, and not going. He's not going to be your traditional inline tight end. But that's why you have Cole Komet. Cole Komet is your traditional inline tight end. Maybe you're going to keep Mercedes Lewis as your third tight end as a blocker. Basically, Jatavian Sanders is your big slot, right? He's your move tight end. He's that one that's just going to get that run your seam routes. He's the one that's going to run you a deep post. That's a problem. And that's what this offense needs more of. So that's my guy, Jatavian Sanders. Super excited about him. Yes. And, and he was at the Shrine Bowl, but did not participate because he was injured. So I'm going to definitely keep an eye on. Oh, I'm up again. Round three, pick 75. I went to the defensive All side right. of the ball. Yeah. Javon Bullard, safety out of Georgia. 5'10", 197. Kind of a smallish frame, you know, that, that can be worked on. Hopefully fill out a little bit, but um, he had... Two interceptions and five passes defended last year. Gave out and it's a standing QB rating when targeted of 36.6. He shows really good movement skills and balance in space. Good range of cover from side sideline to sideline. High football IQ guy and play recognition in both the pass and the run game. He's better in pass coverage than run support. You know, able to mirror quarterback size well and can match both in man and zone. High level ball skills. Tracks the ball well. High points uh, and undercuts routes can get up under receiver's chin and has the speed to flip his hips and run down field. He has quick hands, and uh, but he's at his best when he's able to look in the backfield. Recovery speed is below average, and he can get caught out of position. Um, he doesn't have top-end speed. 
Uh, because of this, he tends to play a little conservatively and gives too much cushion when playing off. Tackling is inconsistent at best. You know, he he can get his head in there and he when he wants to, but a little too often he ends up diving at ankles. So the, the thing I'm the most concerned about is, again, that top-end speed, but not as big of a concern at safety as it is at corner. Yeah, and I think the elephant in the room is that you need to replace Eddie Jackson because I think you just even even if you're talking about a pay cut, I just don't know that you can keep him. Um, you need a guy who can move a little bit and be more available than Eddie Jackson was. And Lord knows, I love Eddie Jackson, I always have, but um, you need more out of the safety position than he can give right now. Uh, more likely than not, we're going to see Eddie Jackson gets cut, says, hey, go find a deal. If you can't find something that you like, come back and we'll resign you. Because I'm yep. sure the Bears want him back, but and you're still probably going to draft the safety too. I mean, their safety depth is trash. Um, yeah, so. it, it's it's awful. And uh, I have solutions to that later, but, you know. Later. All right, coming up next, Kyrie, round three, pick 75. Got a sp- special one for you. <laughs> Um, so I'm, I'm going to try and speed through these a little bit. Um, I think even in, in this scenario where you're keeping Justin Fields, um, obviously if you've seen from my mock draft, I haven't traded him by no means. Does that mean that Justin Fields is most definitely the only option that you have? Um, I don't know that I was overly, overly impressed with Michael Pratt. Uh, at the senior bowl, but I think that all of the senior bowl guys kind of suffered from the same issue of not having the continuity with their receivers and kind of looking meh to bad. Um, but I think that in, in Pratt's case, I think it was a little bit more of like, all right, okay. It's, 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 it's fine. But I think that in theory, when you're looking at what, what he did, in college or what he might be able to do is a little bit more of a, of a, of a balanced take on things where it's not a got to be preternaturally athletic or you'll be able to make crazy plays, but a guy that you can develop and a guy that maybe you can get into Shane Waldron's hands and say, okay, you know what? While Justin Fields is starting and taking some lumps, let's see what you've got. You're probably better than Tyson Bajan. Um, and maybe we can find a little bit something more from you behind the scenes. So again, I'm, I'm looking at this like just be, just because in this particular case, and again, don't jump down my throat because I did this one mock draft that I told you I was going to do this entire time where I was going to explore a different possibility. All right. Um, but I mean, no respect for Beijing Orange. Yeah, sorry. I, I don't feel it, but um, his production over the last two years in college uh, was a marked jump over what he did as a freshman and sophomore. I think he he definitely improved. Maybe something there, you know. And and again, I think that we've shown that you got to get the quarterback position right. But when you've got guys on rookie contracts, you don't always need to have the quarterback completely right. Sometimes you just need to have the roster right. And I think that the Bears are probably closer to having that roster close-ish to right. But then if, you, if you're keeping Justin Fields because of the continuity and because the guys believe in him and all that, that doesn't mean you just don't take any more quarterbacks. Uh, I would say that if it is at all possible, 
if the guy fell down, I feel like JJ McCarthy feels like a good. It feels like the Bears are going to like him. JJ's I've heard. That, I've heard that the they. Round. I've heard they already like him. I honestly, I think I I hear that like oh yeah, top ten pick. I don't believe it. I think he's a top ten pick. I mean, but I do think he's to be taken the first. I think I think I think that he's a back end of the first round kind of pick. I teams think are going to fall a, in love with the fact that he's a winner. Like he won in high school, yes. he won in college. Yeah, he's the guy that you bring home to meet your father, kind of thing. Yeah, back end of the first round kind of pick or early second round pick. But yeah. if the dude falls and you're interested, and people are just like, yeah, he doesn't really have a lot of experience, so uh, we'll see. I could be down with that. I'm back up round three, pick 79. Honestly, this might be one of my favorite players in this draft that isn't being talked about enough. Malachi Corley, wide receiver, Western Kentucky, five foot 10, 215 pounds. He's hit 23 miles per hour on the GPS and clocked a 443 40 yard dash. His 408 shuttle time and 355 pound bench press are also excellent. He is known as the Yak King amongst his peers. Corley had one of the lowest average depth of targets in college football over the past two years for one reason. The Hilltoppers just wanted the ball in his hands. He led the nation in total yards after catch and yards after catch per reception in 2022. And in 2023, he racked up 101 catches for 1,295 yards and 11 touchdowns. Stout and dense bowling ball an individual. He's basically running back build with wide receiver speed and fluidity explosive and compact long strider who can stretch seams when he has space elite attack explosiveness and angle burst erasing burst his hand strength and focus to corral contested throws over the middle of the field is great he's got pretty solid spatial iq flowing through zones and sitting in db's blind spots can absorb solo hits and just break tackles like no other he has the versatility to be used in motion and scheme it touches in countless ways the main drawback with Corley is he's a weapon first and wide receiver second. Uh, his long speed, while solid, isn't breakaway, and he's got a smaller catch radius due to his size. Uh, he doesn't have that size to box out DBs at the catch point on fade routes, and he ran a pretty simple route tree. And sometimes he lets passes into his frame over the middle, which could be a source of drops. I mean, like I said, he's essentially a running back playing the wide receiver position. So poor man, soon-to-be rich man's Debo or a budget Golden Pate. But, I mean, I love the versatility he'd bring, and he's a better Bayless Jones Jr., what he was supposed to be. <laughs> and, you know, but I, So I love Malachi Corley. If they could figure out a way to snag him, I would be all about it. It's interesting, too, because you mentioned Bayless Jones Jr., and it's one of the things I told you behind the scenes that, um, you know, apparently Bayless Jones Jr. Um, is willing to play more running back. Um, I'd be curious to see what he ends up doing in in that aspect because i think that's probably if he's going to do anything he needs to be in in sort of that multi-dimensional role i don't think he can just be a wide receiver they just got to find ways to get him the ball get him the ball run straight he's an expl- every time he touches the ball it's a first time touchdown it's so frustrating he fast <laughs> round four that. pick 110 Kyrie is back up one of my guys at the Shrine Bowl. Okay, look, I interviewed uh, Dadrian Taylor Demerson. He calls himself Rabbit. All his friends call him that. This dude, he he's like, and again, not comparing talent levels, but the, the demeanor, the personality feels like 
a dollar store like Tyron Matthew. This guy is always out there talking. He can do everything. I mean, he was back there returning punts and, and trying to do that. I mean, he was playing safety and nickel and corner straight up and just just everywhere. And I, I, he feels like a guy who can be a leader on a defense. I think you could take him potentially and put him anywhere you feel like putting him. I mean, come on. Like, if you wanted a potential, like, I mean, Kyler Gordon, I love him at nickel. But if you wanted to put Dadrian at nickel, you could do that. If you wanted him to put him at safety, you could do that. He could do anything that you need. He's tough. He's out of Texas Tech. He, the, the thing that I loved about him, man, was he was just like, look, man, um, my like my father, he's a preacher. He preaches the word of God. I preach the word of football. <laughs> I mean, that was that was a that was an excellent bar. Love the guy. I feel like he's somebody that will impress someone in an interview. And, and I feel like, again, the communication, the culture, I feel like he would fit right in here, man. And again, the versatility and the fact that he could play special teams, he could do it all. You do whatever you want. And that's huge because, you know, let's say for the sake of argument, Eddie does get cut and brought back. You know, you need that other safety to be able to do special teams. I mean, that's that's imperative. So the fact that he's got that, the flexibility you talked about, one of the things uh, that the Chiefs are doing so well right now on their path to the Super Bowl is the flexibility their secondary can play with, how they are this amorphous blob where, you know, all of a sudden their nickel is now their corner, outside corner, now their outside corner has moved up towards the, in, towards the safety position. So, you know, that versatility is huge. Absolutely. Love it. One of my guys. My pick at round four, pick 110. Someone asked about Cedric Van Pran. I am here to deliver. Um, I got him here. I'm not convinced that – I'm sorry, round five, typo there. Ignore that. Um, But I'm not convinced that he will be available here just because we keep – we always see certain positions move up in drafts. Center is going to be one of them just because there's not a lot of centers. And it but, was it was last year. It was a position, you know, yeah. an, an interior offensive line that flew off the board. Like Juice Scruggs was a guy last year that Bears fans I had circled, and he went earlier than we thought, like a whole round or two earlier. Yep. Um, Cedric, six foot four, three hundred ten pounds, experience, experience, experience. He's got forty three starts at center, thirteen last year. At so that's center. So he's not one of those guys that you know played it a little bit or this or that. He he is a center, and that's huge. You know, you have to teach him how to play the damn position. Uh, three-year starter at Georgia and a very balanced attack, 52 run plays, 48 pass split. Zone-based run scheme centered around the inside zone, pin pull, and split flow variations. Very good for what the Bears wanted to. Love his hand usage and technique along with his football IQ. He's just a very sound player. Squat, thick build, gives him some natural leverage. Um, skilled run blocker. Good understanding of how to negotiate and secure the first level on combo blocks before ultimately climbing to that second level. He's got athleticism needed to move as a center, even though he does have that mass I talked about. He's a really solid initial quickness and burst that allows him to reach shades and line up close proximity targets on pulls and climbs. Brings a finisher's mentality with strain and effort to set a physical tone and wear down opponents. Ibrufus is going to love that. He's got some reduced body control and lateral quickness. Sometimes he's a little late, you know, just, just a touch. Uh, inconsistent anchor due to not playing long, letting the bull rush get into his chest and soften up his edges. So he's got to strengthen up that core a little more. Hey, come see me, Cedric. I got you. Uh, not elite length sometimes prevents him from sustaining power exertions, and his energy can be a double-edged sword. 
with overshot angles and unstable pad levels. You know, I think right now he's just being undersold because guys like Zach Frazier and uh, Jackson Powers Johnson are just kind of overwhelming people with what they're, what they're doing. You also, I like the fact that he pretty much only played center. Some people are going to say, hey, where's my guard versatility? I, we didn't see that, obviously, and it's like, I don't care. I need a center. I'm sick of Lucas Patrick. I'm sick of the revolving door of centers we've had there. Give no. me a give me a nope. center and the heat. Nope. Can't have it. I, and and again, to me, this year doesn't matter if the center is young. I mean, I could understand it last year, or maybe you're like, eh, I don't know what what, what we're going to do in terms of the interior. Who's going to be playing there? Um, to me, don't mess around. Yeah. I almost said something else, but you know, sorry. Family show. Uh, Kari, back up. Round four, pick 122. Another one of my Shrine Bowl guys, Xavier Thomas Edge from Clemson. A little bit undersized, I think, from what you'll want a 4-3 defensive end to be. He's about 6'2", 6'3", um, you know, 240-ish pounds. I think you could add some weight to that frame. But I'm going to tell you what I saw. In terms of pass rush, This two things. Number one, the play recognition. I watched him basically torch in and off like, like a whole drive uh, in team drills where he read a read option perfectly and sniffed it out, just not fooled whatsoever. And then got a sack on a play action. Cause he was just like, Oh, please, I got this. Um, you know, it's like not fooled by the fake at all. Got himself a sack out of that. And then in one-on-one -on -one drills, man, like this dude would just be dancing on people. They wouldn't touch him. They couldn't get a they couldn't get like a finger on him because he's got elite quickness, I feel like, for for that position. And I feel like, again, I think that he's able to show enough pop in the run game to hold his own, hold the edge to where you're not necessarily just going to run over the guy, especially if he adds a little bit more weight to his frame. Um and, and I, I think that, again, just the, the way that I like asking him about how he sees the game, I feel like he sees it all. And I, I think that he's going to be able to, to play a bit more of a role than maybe your standard rookie would because he is that intelligent. He clearly sees things well on the field and reacts well. Um, I, I think, again, you, you, he's a little bit of a tweener right now, but if you go ahead and you add, you get him to put a little bit of weight on, I can see the vision. I like the double dip at edge. So my pick at round four, pick 122, also from Clemson. But went a little differently. I went inside. Tyler Davis. He's six foot two, 299 pounds. I like his get off. Quick to react to snapping. Accelerates well. He's got a high motor. Just one of those never stops kind of guys. Strong at the point of attack and will stun offensive linemen with his pop. Strong, strong dude. Davis has reps where he walks the interior off offensive lineman right into the lap of the quarterback. Um, he's hard to move in the run game, keeps his feet moving, and uses his arms well to keep the offensive lineman off his body. His injury history is a bit concerning. He missed multiple games between 2020 and 2022. So in 2022, he missed two games for an undisclosed reason. 2021, had a torn bicep where he missed three games. 2020, had an MCL sprain where he missed two games. Ankle, missed three games. I mean, that's, that adds up. Arms are, are a bit short. Uh, he's only about a 75 and a half inch wingspan and he can get kicked inside a bit too easy. And while he's flashed a couple of counter moves, like a ripper swim off the bull rush, his subpar use of hands and athleticism limit his pass rush arsenal. 
he's not really a pass rush threat. He had half a sack in 2023, more of a two down player, but he can play that, uh, that two technique. So, you know, when you're this late in the draft round four, you're looking for some guys that can give you some juice. Tyler Davis can do that. Love it. And you know what? I'll say this. I saw a bunch of interior defensive linemen down at the shrine bowl, uh, Christian Boyd from Kansas state, absolute monster. Um, and I, and I also think there are a couple of guys from like, like Fabian Lovett from UCLA. I mean, whoo, that guy was killing or sorry. So, so Fabian Lovett from, from Florida state. Don't come at me y'all Florida state. Uh, that guy was killing. Um, I think that there are definitely some options there on the interior uh, defensive line that you can go for. All right. This is my last pick. Let's go. Jaquavius Marks running back Mississippi State. I did. I, this was mainly, so this started with me seeing one clip where he's pass blocking and just stonewalled the blitzing linebacker. And you're saying, yes, Lord. Dove dove into that a little more. 5'10", 210 pounds. What I like about him is his toughness and pass pro and versatility. As a sophomore in 2021, he played 13 games and rushed for 465 yards. 110 carries for 4.2 yards per carry with six touchdowns with no fumbles. In the passing game, he had 78 receptions for 460 yards. As a senior, that shifted a little bit. Passing game, he only had 24 receptions for 167 yards. You know, his usage went down, but the potential is there as we saw in a sophomore year. His 191 receptions leave him only nine shy of the Mississippi State record. The good, he runs low with a forward lean, solid vision. He can bounce off or spin off tackles. Catch and run is enticing. He's a pretty natural pass catcher. He's got a good burst to the second level. Like I said, outstanding pass protection, which the Bears have suffered with over the last couple of years, especially last year. And his assignments are sound, especially with the lack of opportunities to show it. The bad, pretty limited route tree. You know, like I said, he's got a lot of receptions, but that was more going to be screens and some flats. You weren't seeing some of those funky angle routes and you weren't seeing flies. You, you weren't seeing Austin Eckler-esque routes, really. Um, he's shown hesitance at the line of scrimmage. He can get a little choppy there, and he shies away from contact a little too much for me. Playing speed is not elite. Won't run away from defenders. He's more or less a one-cut back. But at this stage, you're just looking – I'm looking for a guy that I can pair with the running backs I have, right? Khalil Herbert's my juice. I got um, – He's going to be the guy that can come in on that third down and be solid as that pass catching back and hopefully maybe get a little more out of him. Yes. I mean, the Chicago Bears need a guy who can catch the ball out of the backfield and do something with it. So, yeah. All right. Those are those are the picks. Those are the drafts. Um, as you can see, I have them all lined up here. I took – both of us took Marvin Harrison Jr. first with our first pick. Mine Don't do it three. again, I promise. <laughs> Mine at pick three, uh, Kyrie did at pick two. We both took Dallas Turner, edge out of Alabama, at pick nine in the first round. I had a trade in there. Again, if you're listening to the podcast, go ahead and check out the YouTube video. Um, so the rest of Kyrie's draft, Zach Frazier, center of West Virginia, Michael Pratt, quarterback, Tulane, Daydream T- Taylor Demerson, safety out of Texas Tech, and then Xavier Thomas, edge out of Clemson. Uh, my draft wrapped up. Jatavian Sanders, tight end out of Texas. Javon Bullard, safety out of Georgia. Uh, Malachi Corley, might be my favorite pick. Wide receiver out of Western Kentucky. Cedric Van Pran, center out of Georgia. Tyler Davis, defensive interior out of Clemson. And then Jaquavius Marks, halfback out of Mississippi State. Overall, touched on all the needs that we thought had to be there. They said this at the top of the show, too. 
we're going to give you variety. This one, we both decided to go with the keep Justin route. Um, and apparently uh, Kyrie wanted his heir apparent and Michael Pratt. But in the future, we're going to have other picks. You know, we're, at some point, we're going to take Caleb. At some point, we're going to take Drake May. And we'll have some breakdown for you on that as to why some we're doing We're going to take doing. J.J. McCarthy or Michael Pennant. You and know. honestly, yeah, at some point, because we have like know. six of these drafts to do. And again, we can't pick the same player twice. So wait, so that means do I got to do this the whole time? Oh, my God. No, mm-hmm. not like this. Mm-hmm. Not like this. Um, but that's all we got for you. Thank you, everyone, for joining. Uh, always remember, please, if you can, like, comment down on the, the video. That helps the algorithm, helps us reach other Bears fans. Share this with a friend. If you, if you have a friend that loves the Bears, Tell them to come check us out. You know, we're pretty cool. Hey, you're here. You know, you listen to us. Uh, Kyrie, anything to say before we get out of here? Bear down, as always. Um, And uh, stay sane. Stay sane. It's going to be a long couple of months. Don't freak out. The draft can't get here soon enough. I'm, 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 that's why I'm reducing the number of chat rooms. I'm reducing the amount of engagement. Every time I see Justin Fields or Caleb Williams on my trending, I say not interested because I don't want to know. Like you said, stay safe, stay sane, enjoy what you have. Enjoy the Super Bowl. We didn't really excited to mention that Let's at all. Oh, baby. I mean, it's going to be Kansas City Chiefs. Not bet. I'm not betting against Patrick Holmes anymore. I'm done with that. Um, yeah, that's the guy. That's the guy. And, and, and again, I'm just going to go ahead and say, I know that everybody really, really wants uh, Caleb Williams to be the next Patrick Mahomes. There is no next Patrick Mahomes. There is Patrick Mahomes, and that's it. So you better hope that Caleb Williams is the next Caleb Williams because there ain't not another one of Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is inevitable. Bear down, everyone. He's, he's Thanos.